We received the following voicemail after the most recent loss. Unfortunately, it was in Polish. Fortunately, Kuba Szyszystaniak offered to translate for us. Cześć Kubuś, wiem, że jesteś zajęty, ale wiesz co, napisałam wczoraj piosenkę dla Flamingos. I nie wiem z kim się skontaktować. Zaśpiewam Ci zaraz, tak? Okej. Okay. Włóż to na speaker, niech cały ofic słyszy. <laughs> A na tą melodii Polacy nic się nie stało. Jakby ktoś im strzelił gola. Um, let them beat you, Flamingos don't let them beat you. We are with you. We are always you. Hello, this is Kuba's mother. I wanted to talk to you about the game Saturday. I think it is Keith from Forwards Backwards podcast fault. He wore the flamingo outfit, but he didn't wear the pink pants. This is why we lost. I think he said they weren't clean. Given the way he dresses, I don't think he ever cleans his clothes, so I have my doubts. They're just so rumpled with the unmistakable look of garments that have been slept in several times perhaps most recently worn by a man who sweatily spoons barnyard animals without interruption through the long nights of the Polish winter. And his hair is so unkempt, as though he divides the labor of combing of it between a pierogi and a balloon. Also, he and Dan look like they don't shower. Producer Hannah, does it smell bad in the podcast booth? I would like to know. I think they smell bad. Also, I don't like this podcast as much as the Behind the Feathers podcast. That Kuba looks very handsome, and Connor Tobin is very nice and much funnier than Neil Hlavety. Kuba is the handsomest podcast host in all of Madison. I didn't like that Neil speaking poorly about Poland either. Is Keith Poniewoz even really Polish? Welcome back to Forwards Bo- Backwards Podcast from the corner of Glenway and Monroe. I'm Keith Poniewoz, and I'm joined, as always, by... The cane to my able, Dan Fallon. Dan, now that Forward Madison's season is over, how will we face this unending hellscape <laughs> of the world today? Well, first, I'm a little confused by all these voice messages we get when we don't have a phone or a phone number that we've given out, and people are just constantly calling us. So uh, maybe that, we'll just that, spend the rest of the offseason responding to all of these voicemails from Polish mothers and Jason and other people. Somehow our phone number is more easily accessible than our, our Twitter handle. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Which maybe yeah. you were in charge of setting up the voicemails? Apparently, because it's very, yeah, very, very accessible. Um, how are we going to uh, deal with this? What was it? Hellscape of post postmodern life? Yeah. yeah. Um, probably by drinking a lot of opal, which is an Icelandic liqueur. Um, Introduced to us by producer Hannah. I think I'm going to fill many of my nights with the warm, tussiny overtures of uh, Opal. Um, mm. So that's that's step one. Uh, step two, I think we'll probably continue to do the podcast every once in a while to kind of, you know, just yeah, keep, we were, we were keep debating a little, last keep night a little at, junk at, in the system. At, at birthday party number 27 for Dan Fallon, uh, how often we might do it. We're thinking maybe biweekly, maybe monthly. Um, you're having a hard time keeping up, so you know I don't trust your promises for anything. Yeah, Keith's a little upset with me because I told someone how easy it was to do a podcast last <laughs> night, and then Keith reminded me that I don't do any of the work, uh, which is uh, very, very true. Um, Producer Hannah does all of the work, let's be honest. Yes. I mean, I, I type some notes uh, on occasion, yeah. but for the most part, Producer Hannah does all the hard work. I mean, work. you don't even have time to wash your clothes or do your unkempt hair. I, I do passive aggressively nag Hannah about getting the podcast out. I think last week's tweet was the podcast might be delayed this week. Hannah got Hulu, <laughs> 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 suggesting some sort of like Stranger Things uh, marathon. I don't know if what streaming uh, service that's on, but uh, we'd also like to welcome Neil Havadi, uh, who rejoins us last week after tanking a temporary absence to do homework. Thanks for having me back, guys. It's a pleasure as usual. Uh, Kuba Shishustaniak joins us to make three very Slavic dudes in the booth for this podcast. When Dan Fallon is your diversity, you're kind of doing something wrong. Uh, we apologize. Middle name Francis. Yeah, Daniel Francis Fallon. Uh, when when we apologize, but in our defense, we didn't think about getting a guest until last night when we were doing shots at the Ideal Bar. So uh, we're forgiven for that. Uh, that may that the Ideal Bar may make a reappearance later. Who knows? 
And then, as always, we're joined by producer Hannah, who is uh, holding the pod together like sonic duct tape. Uh, so, wanted to talk, Dan, where were you Saturday night? Saturday night, I was at the Grand Old Opry, Nashville, Tennessee, for the 50th anniversary of Dolly Parton's first, uh, not first performance, I think the 50th anniversary of her being inducted or uh, becoming a member of the Grand Old Opry. And boy, that lady, everyone fucking loves her. I mean... I, I won't get into it, but let's just say she has a she has a more um, diverse uh, following than I think anyone in country music. I was going to say was it the, was the most diverse crowd since a forward Madison game. Uh, well, so let me I should say, I mean, this is country music. So by diverse, it was all white people. <laughs> um, but there were there were gay people. There were young people. There were um Middle-aged people, lots of really old white people, but of the full gamut of white people in attendance, I guess, from, urban from, sophisticates, from, hillbillies, you know, the whole, the, beige. <laughs> the whole heckin' scale was represented at the Grand Old Opry. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, uh, uh, three to seven on the heckin' scale. Yeah. So, um, and Dolly, I mean, honestly, I, you know, I've always been like, you know, you got to love Dolly, but she's legend. Just absolute legend. And actually, I want to give a shout out. My buddy Leandro, who was, who was at, uh, out last night for birthday drinks, born and raised in uh, Brazil, told me last night that his dad was never really all that into music, listened to some like, you know, Brazilian kind of what the equivalent of country music would be there, but was like a huge country fan and like loved Dolly, loves Alabama. And so when Leandro got his first guitar, he's like, the only stuff I learned how to play was like Dolly songs. He's like, and when I was a kid, I wouldn't admit to that in public ever. Now he's like, she's amazing. Like I, I know all the songs of a legend. So shout out to Leandro, but uh, it was an incredible show. The forwards backwards podcast, uh, Madison's only Dolly Parton, 86 Mets and cocaine Stan podcast. <laughs> uh, so uh, Dan was not there then at the watch party Saturday night. Cuba, you were down in Frisco, Texas, along with the mm-hmm. team, That's as right. was Neil, apparently on the sideline. We saw him sporting the fire uh, Hummel training tops. Really like those those tops. Shout out to K-Dog for providing those for the boys. Yeah, uh, people are digging those, the pink front with the blue sleeves. Yeah, it's a, it's a hot item, and word is we're looking to perhaps order some for mm-hmm. the forward fandom. So they'll be available in four to six months. Yeah. Correct. La- last night, <laughs> uh, it out last night uh, Neil asked me how much I would pay for one of those tops. I said 10 whole dollars. I apparently asked the wrong person that question. <laughs> I get all of my clothes now from classicfootballkits.com or my, my, my floor. Are you now plag- plugging? Uh, no, we them? should get a sponsor, though. Okay. We, I love that site. It's awesome. Season okay. two. Season two uh, would be awesome. Speaking of a heavier Ignite This t-shirt. Uh, so oh. none of these guys were at the watch party. I was at the watch party. I want to take a, just kind of a brief moment. Uh, I'm going to steal a line from John Oliver after Liverpool's uh, Champions League victory because I sat next to Peter Wilt, um, and Peter Wilt and I had uh, the the most interesting conversations you could imagine, uh, talking about 70s sitcoms, uh, random you know 1990 soccer players. We played 20 questions about the identity of uh, a former MLS manager who was in attendance. Uh, so you know, it, we Peter and I nerd out. I think is is fairly fairly, but after the match, people started coming up to Peter, and basically thanking him for what he had done with the club. And and to borrow the line from John Oliver, if I weren't medically dead inside, I probably would have started crying. Uh, Peter was definitely chopping onions at, at one point. Um, I don't know why he decided to start chopping onions, but. You know, and, and people came up, and it was thank you for this. This this really meant a lot. People who had moved to Madison um, and felt no connection to the city, and were like, "I had no idea what I, what I'm going to do um, with myself for a variety of reasons." You know, I I moved away from my family, I, and you know that this came in and filled a, a, something in my life. Um, you know, there were a lot of hugs and. Um, it's really a testament to Neil and, and Cuba and the flock and everybody involved and Peter, obviously, and, and Connor and what this club has in such a short time come to mean to so many people. Um, and I mean, it was it was really kind of 
touching. I think, you know, we, we touched on a little bit about how even, you know, we were both very skeptical. And for me as well, the club has already come to be this kind of weird and, and wonderful thing in my life. I mean, I was wearing, again, the pink flamingo costume because we won at Lansing while I was wearing it. I hope it hadn't been washed. Uh, no, of course not. And okay. Connor Tobin's signature was on the side, and it, you know, it arrived via a bus that probably smells worse than the Gimme Some Truth Studios. <laughs> Um, you know, to Madison and, and, you know, it was this connection with this dude I've never met from, from North Carolina who everybody has gotten wrapped up in this kind of stupid ride. And it's why the other kind of USL topic. And it, mm-hmm. again, if you turn to us for your news source on anything, uh, big mistake, Dan, but yes. the other kind of big news and uh, country and music think, show reviews, we're, we're on top of yeah. those. Um, yeah, yeah. Breaking news? No. Not so but, much. Uh, basically, the news has kind of leaked out. Uh, it hasn't been officially confirmed, but that the the Lansing Ignite are not coming back. And I think, it, you know, you listened to the pod today. I started it from the Capital Combustion folks. Yeah. We've gotten to know them a little bit just through um, kind of exchanging text messages. And, and it really made me sad because I had exchanged some, some messages mm-hmm. with, I think it was with Weston, about how they were inspired by seeing the flock and realized the diversity of the group that we mm-hmm. had, and they wanted to make their team more representative of of Lansing. So you you know you, they were they were crushed. I mean, yeah, yeah. I listened to their pod actually, kind of throughout today, and just finished it up as I was was heading over here. And you know, there's a part of me that's listening to you talk about you know how incredible it was on Saturday night, even after we lose, that like people are coming up to Peter. And, you know, we get to do this again. Like we get, you know, this is, this is just season one and we get to, you know, keep building this. And these guys listening to last week's, their pod last week about talking about the flock coming and how much they could learn from us and how, you know, they, they were really thinking about how could they make year two better for them. And then having to hear them talk about like their club is gone, um, was heartbreaking. And to hear them, some of the things you were saying, like, I I think it was, I think it was Weston. I'm sorry if I'm getting the guys wrong. Who's relatively new to Lansing. You know, he's only been there about four years. Somebody invited him to a soccer team. And now these are like his friends. And like these, some of these guys didn't even know each other before they started doing the podcast together. And you know, it, it was really emotional. Like, listen to this. I mean, um, you know, it's about soccer. Everyone loves soccer, but it's also like you meet people that are, that are your friends. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really tough. And I know you posted something yesterday and, you know, we don't want to get into the whole, what's the best way to be a professional soccer team. And I think we just want to reinforce, I think everybody that supports a club, whether it be, you know, USL League Two, PDL, NPSL, NISA, all these things. We all just care about soccer. We all want this to be successful. We all want clubs in our hometowns that we can support. Because, I mean, I think we all probably at some point support a team overseas, and we, we never got to have that that feeling of a team in my town. I go to the games. I'm there every day. I'm, like, immersed in the club. That's all we all want. And, like, there's different ways to get there, and there's different ways to do it, and Certainly, there's lessons to be learned from what happened in Lansing. Um, I mean, obviously, something's not right with this model. It's not perfect because this is one year and the guy just pulls the plug. But like in the moment, I think it's it's more important to say, hey, we're really sorry for you and that your club is gone. Now, maybe tomorrow, maybe in a week, it's like, you know what? We have a better way that we'd like to tell you about. And like, you know, and I think (laughs) I, I think of like. Have you heard the good word? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I give credit to, I think it's Chattanooga, right? The, they're the guy who um, was their president this year. I think they've like started a consulting firm, if I'm not mistaken, where they're going to like help other clubs who want to try and run that model, right? Like the community kind of owned club. That's what you do. That's what you do. You don't go around shitting on the supporters of another club in the moment that their team gets taken away, do something productive. And I'm not trying to like pick fights with everyone. Cause I know, you know, we get caught up in these things sometimes and we say stupid shit and, um, but like be productive and try to help people figure this out. Cause maybe this is the moment for Lansing now to go, to go a different route. They've got people there that care about soccer. They've got a community of people. So maybe this is their moment to turn this into something. Well, and they had Lansing United going into this year and then, right. you know, and there was some acrimony there and there was a, a sort of move over, 
Is that Jiro? That is Jiro biking by. Are we going to have a uh, Jiro is biking by the Give Me Some Truth Studios? <laughs> uh, maybe he'll stop in. Nope. Nope. D- doesn't have time for us. That was training for 2020 already yeah. on his bike. Uh, we'll get and into we'll, that later. We'll be, yeah, we'll be talking about off season. I think that's, you know, a, and part of me and I think Dan as well, like, you know, you went to Chattanooga, you know, first game. Uh, you went to, to Richmond. And some of this, this is ridiculously stupid stuff yeah. that we're doing. I mean, we're grownups, Dan. And yet... I'm wearing a pink. I'm gonna have to read. Costume. I'm gonna have to read the Webster's Dictionary uh, definition of grownups, then get back to you. Yeah. Well, we're both forty now, Dan. Uh, oh wow. Yeah. And I mean, we we might you know. So I'm wearing a pink flamingo suit, and you're riding in a van with with smelly people and and taking shots of opal because I'm forty, and that yeah. made me sad. <laughs> but I mean, this stuff should be fun, right? Ultimately, that's what it's about: is having fun engaging in a sport we love and not turning it into, as I put in my tweet, like a dick measuring contest. I mean, yeah. And I mean, and listen, I mean, Twitter, unfortunately kind of reduces things down to those kind of things. And again, we've taught, we've kind of engaged with some folks that I'm sure are going to like, feel like we're talking about them, but uh, you know, just trying to remind everybody like the end goal of all of this is successful soccer from, you know, four years old until the end of a professional career. And like, you know, we're not there yet. And also yeah. we've got some, yeah, I don't want to get into this too much. We, I mean, the difference between us and a lot of I other places, the United more, States is huge. Yeah. It's a huge country with a ton of people and huge distances between cities that presents challenges that aren't going to be answered by one model. Yeah. I think would be my kind of take on all this. And, um, uh, Dan Fallon explains the world will be one of our biweekly yeah. off season podcasts. Yes. So to, I think we should move along. Uh, let's, I'd actually think we should move along and I'd just like to yeah. say, to those guys in Lansing, we're really sorry for you guys. We're thinking yep. about you. It was really tough listening to your podcast, to be to be honest. Um, because, again, you know, we're sitting here sad that we got knocked out of the playoffs as well. But we I th- assume, unless Coop is about to drop a huge fucking bomb on us, um, have <laughs> season two to come. We good. Yeah. And, and, and Kuba is also illustrative of, you know, p- these are people's jobs, right? The players' yeah. jobs, the coaches' jobs. I mean, those guys really got fell in love with Nate Miller as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that team they fell in love with and, and those guys are now, you know, free agents shopping around. Yeah. So, I mean, these are people who pick up and move across the country. I mean, I think Aaron Cranford there in their Mm -hmm. communication, I mean, he left the USL to go work for them. I mean, I'm sure he didn't leave that job being like, oh, I'm going to be in Lansing for one year. Um, these are people like committed to the same thing we're committed to like soccer being successful in this country and today and well in a week or two they're not gonna have a job and um that sucks yeah so uh now let's turn to the playoffs to the end of the forward madison season on to much cheerier topics (laughs) other than that mrs lincoln how was the play (laughs) Uh, you know, this week we, we, I turned to Dylan Thomas for, for the poetic quotation to talk about, uh, our, our 2-0 loss at North Texas. Dylan Thomas wrote, I see this boys of summer in their ruin, lay the gold, gold tithings barren, setting store, no store by harvest, freeze the soils. There in their heat, the winter floods of frozen loves, they fetch their girls and drown the cargoed apples in their tides. Dan, did you quickly Google a country music lyric while I was reading I that? didn't. I, I, it's already in my head. It's Miss Dolly Parton, I Will Always Love You. Thank you, Dan. That was to Forward Madison, not to you, Keith. <laughs> so let's let's. Why'd you come in here looking like that? Turn, with a turn stain the on your sweater. <laughs> uh, Keith did not keep a clean sheet today, <laughs> uh, or clean shirt for that matter. Uh, a couple of lineup changes going into the match. Don Smart was hurt. And so right. Jiro, who went biking by earlier, completely coincidentally. Always come visit us at the Give Me Some Truth podcast studios at the corner of Glenway and Monroe. It's the first time I've gotten to say that. Uh, Jiro came in, um, which I think was a, a, a case. So what, what was uh, the nature of Dan, Don's injury? It came at the end of the Lansing match. Yeah, it was um, an unfortunate tackle, which also happened to Danny Tenorio. Two horrible tackles, which during the game don't look too bad but in video were pretty horrendous um so obviously those those injuries happened and you're going into a season where there's two weeks left and 
you give guys as many days off as they need. We tried everything to get to get Don back as as soon as possible, and it was a decision that went all the way down to um, Friday night. Was where we we weren't sure who we were going to put in that spot. We had our options, of course, but it was up to Don whether he felt up to it. At that point, you kind of put it on the player and say, you need to be honest with us. And if you can go, we want you to go. Especially an experienced professional like Dan, yeah. right? He knows his body probably better than, than you will, right? And it was it was the same with Sylvester and Goal. Um, it was, hey, guys, if you're healthy enough and if, if you feel like you can give the group what they need, you are, you're in. And Don was a decision where he said, listen, I don't think I can give everything for as long as I can. Um, so it's a an obvious substitution where Giro's done the job all year. We insert him. That makes Paulo slide over to the other side. Um, creates a kind of a different pitcher, a different relationship that he's working with Carter now instead of Pato on the left. So that changes uh, that relationship on the on the widths. But both of them, to be fair, on their different sides, did their job for the majority of the match until, as we know, our first goal got scored on in the 74th minute. So you didn't open up – they didn't open up last match against North Texas at home uh, on the, the great missing episode five. We talked a little bit about how they opened up with high pressure, kind of to take advantage, disrupt that, you know, Ira Jersey uh, of the League One Fund podcast calls it their death by a thousand passes kind of strategy. Uh, didn't open up with the, the high pressure, and we, we suffered through a little bit of a nervy start. Mm-hmm. Um, gave up a, a good chance very early on. Yeah. Sylvester stepped up, and again, we, we said it last week, but Sylvester had a, a great match um, and has had a great season. He was the second-best season uh, keeper all year in terms of goals against average as well. Yeah, and it seemed like similar to the Lansing game, keep it tight, let them have the ball, hit on the counter, um, and maybe not a way we've been playing all season, um, but a way that seemed to be getting us results later in the season and not letting teams really, uh, you know, kind of turning the press on and off, but that mm-hmm. at times really just keeping it really tight in the midfield. And I know against Lansing and in this match, like just, uh, I think again, it was like 20 interceptions, I think like really clogging the middle, clogging the, the, the service lines and trying to make it a little bit of a dog fight in the middle and then break quickly, get guys wide and get the ball up vertical as quick as possible. I mean, you guys, clearly see it and it's I think it comes down to a matter of of discipline from our players that yeah. they've had over the last two and a half months of the season where we went on this run and it's it's kind of a, a word we use is frustrating the opponent into the fact that they're going to play the ball into unnatural positions and eventually be out of their shape and we get the ball and that's where we've punished teams and, and gotten our best chances throughout this last two and a half months of the year and it's a credit to all the guys doing doing work on both sides of the ball that have created this this run for us and going into next year that's something we know now and and what the league is like so that's that's only going to help us and and uh, you know I was going to say you know sometimes there's a, a, this is the the eternal argument like about a Jose Mourinho or other managers the the parking the bus versus being tactically tactically disciplined and you know and the difference is you know you think back about classic matches where Mourinho would enter with the you know. 11 guys behind the ball and just hoping for a goal that's a very against a Barcelona that's like a very different way to play than we're gonna sit tight and then when we win the ball get forward in numbers right like that that's a very different way to play I mean and it takes a lot of tactical discipline because not only are you you're staying compact and trying to win the ball but when you break you're breaking at pace and you're breaking with the the front three Josie L and uh, and JC like yeah. that's that you're you're trying to get five six even the outside backs mm-hmm. and then get back into that shape that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of tactical discipline and I think I've been impressed watching it the last couple of weeks yeah and it's 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 kind of something that with some pundits throughout the league who say how much possession we give to the other team and some people saying we're only a counterattack team well when we get the ball we're still very 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 good on it we have players that are probably some of the best in the league and it's not like we're making two passes and trying to go to goal we're still very much so believing ourselves on the ball and we possess the ball and we have it but when there's opportunities when both outside backs from lansing are high like we're about to go it's that's that's just numbers in soccer. Yeah. Well, in looking at the you know the possession statistics, were sixty seven percent possession to North Texas and thirty three to Madison, but uh, they only sh- outshot 
forward six to five, and and you know you mentioned Jose Mourinho against Barcelona. This this the the possession, particularly in the first half, I think in the second half they got uh, Madison's possession was much more purposeful, and theirs was was you know I I was thinking of Pep Guardiola getting upset about like having his soccer being called tiki taka because he thought it was just you know purposeless possession yeah. it was just oh we're passing for the sake of pos- passing and that's what a little bit that that first half from north texas felt like They're, they they were their c- circulation of the ball was very slow they didn't seem to have they didn't create many good chances after that that first chance in the first half mm-hmm. guys spent a lot of time on the ball they weren't taking chances with the ball that started changing a, a little bit in the second half mm-hmm. but when madison got the ball and they broke out there was a purpose. There was a plan. Guys know knew where they were going, and I think that was, you know, that's it's two ways of, of playing soccer. Um, this match as well, uh, very. Uh, by the way, I should notice it, uh, if you watch the match on TV, in the tenth minute, the match brightened considerably. It was like going from the black and white scenes in the Wizard of Oz oh, yeah. to the to the color <laughs> scenes, because like it was a very like hazy green early on, and then all of a sudden. In the t- 10th minute, I don't know if somebody in, in you know, the studio Tampa. forgot to flip a switch. Maybe they had me running the, you know, the boards. But Kuba, did sudden, you have anything to do this, with this from the stands? You were getting uh... no comment. <laughs> it became Technicolor. Uh, how was the, the crowd support there in that, that first half, Kuba? You were down there? Yeah, I mean, it was it's tough. We always compare it to, you know, Breeze, and it's impossible to do it around the league sometimes. But, um, you know, their grandstand was pretty decently full. They put all the fans on one side of the, the field. Um, I think they were giving out free tickets to season ticket holders of FC Dallas. Um, the Dallas Beer Guardian supporters group from FC Dallas came down. Um, so they were behind one goal. Um, celebrated with the flock a little bit before the game. They were really good good hosts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there was some noise. The flock was awesome. Could hear them pretty much the entire game. I think yeah. it was about 25, 30, 30 of our guys down there. So, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, not a packed stadium, but good atmosphere. And it was a... Uh Chattanooga throwback night with the garbage cans as drums. <laughs> I saw the pictures of bloody hands and blistered hands, and uh, so I know I know Zach was one. I'm LL Baguette. Um, <laughs> I don't know who the who the second uh, I don't know who the second person was who had the bloody knuckles, but um, you know, big uh, big shout out to people maiming their hands uh, to play the drums. Yeah, incredible. For, forward had a couple of chances there in that in that first half. Uh, both from from Manly and, and Giro down the wing uh, a little bit, and Pato as well. Uh, particularly in the twenty first minute, Manly had a chance down the the, the wing, uh, and then the best chance of the first half probably fell to Brian Bement, and Moore Moyer saved it very well. And and you said Neil that he was a big difference ma- maker in the in that match. You thought, yeah, that we we saw their twenty three man roster on Thursday when it came out, and they they had a few first team guys down there, and when they're on the twenty three, we know they're probably going to go. And having Jimmy Maher and Gold, tons of experience, has been in NASL finals, is obviously an MLS goalkeeper. Now it it's going to give your entire team confidence, and he was. He's just a relaxed guy in general, and so you know going into it, okay, we're we're going to be fine. But he's going to give them, he's going to make a difference for them. Bement gets that chance, makes a good save. Another huge save was JC's bomb from yeah. outside the box. Yep. Um, great hit, and I think any other keeper in that game gives up a different rebound and possibly does something different. And it was there were so many moments in that first half where. We got so close, and obviously everyone knows the stat. When we score first, it's gonna it's gonna be tough for the other team. So we were we were excited about what we did in the first half, and we didn't have uh, too many things tactically that we needed to go over at halftime. Two, I was gonna say t- uh, two things: incredibly well worked opportunity from Brian. Mm-hmm. I mean, really nice individual effort in the box to basically skate by those two guys, uh, and second. The, the save on JC was, I would call, unorthodox, mm-hmm. uh, kind of looks terrible, highly effective, because I think you said does not leave a rebound just laying out there in the 18. I mean, basically kind of just like, you know, shovels it away. And he had another one in the second half the same way that you're, you know, on, on tape, you're like, ooh, that, that didn't yeah, look, that that didn't look yeah. uh, you know, he's not like, like Brian, who always, I think Brian's very good at making look, saves look 
awesome. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, highly effective save to make sure there's no rebound there for someone to come and smash it in. So Yeah, kept that, that, that rebound clean, which for a goalkeeper, you know, ultimately the, However you, you, know, you want to do the, the proper technique because generally it's going to lead to a less, you know, uh, problematic rebound. But mm-hmm. in that case, it, it worked out. I mean, he spilled it out wide of the goal and, and killed off a chance. Now, you, you went into the half and you were pretty satisfied. And I thought in the first 15 minutes of that second half – the run of the play seemed to, to favor Madison a little bit more. Was there anything consciously that got that got changed in those first fifteen, or was it more just the the shape and, and the f- natural ebbs and flows of a match like that? I mean, there there's always some minor th- minor things tactically, no matter how well you think you're doing, um, that we addressed. We wanted to to get a little higher in our lines, um, to not let them have possession so easy um, all the time in central areas of the field where they were building. 23 Roberts was a great player, was having a field day doing whatever he wanted. So we wanted a little more realistic pressure, getting tighter, getting into guys, making it harder. Like they were, they're they're good young players, but they're they're young. So that moment is sometimes tough for them. Um, And yeah, we, half times are, haven't always been great for us how we come out, but in this game, we responded well, and the and the boys are ready, and and we were comfortable in those early moments in the first half. So in the second and, half, and then you know one of the things I think we sort of noticed is if against Lansing the the, the focus was on that sort of lateral compactness, they were they did a great job, I think Wyatt and Connor of keeping keeping the lines the the two banks of four very close together. Um, you know, you could call the formation a four one four four one one or four four two because Josie L would occasionally drift up a little bit more to be level right. with Bement defensively in particular. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, Connor and Wyatt did a great job. I mean, there those gaps were tiny between them and you saw it when they finally got their goal there on that, that Pepe play, one of the so the you know Dan, what what started off was, and I think in the second half, particularly as sort of the, that first fifteen faded away, you could see them in their possession. It became a little more fluid, a little more aggressive, a little more purposeful, and they they switched the the ball quite a bit more. And mm-hmm. that goal came from a, a big crossfield ball. Yep. And then you know there were ultimately sort of that crossfield ball. He took it across the field, and then Pepe's shot went the other way. That there were sort of three crosses of the field yeah and i think going you know as neil said there there's a reason these guys are playing in fc dallas's academy team they're they're quality players and not that we don't have quality players but these guys are very very good players you look at the the chance at the very opening of the game like another great individual effort kind of turning our center back around and around and then gets shot off and again and here's a you know big diagonal ball out to the left side and the guy just goes right at us and lays it off to the 17-year-old who still almost won the golden boot and played, what, a third of the season for the club. Mm-hmm. So um, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, and that's why they have guys like that on the pitch, right? They have guys and guys that can change the match with one shot. And, you know, I'm sure you guys will watch back the video, Neil, and, you know, Brian and Ryan will look at his footing or where he was. It's a, it's a tough shot. I mean, he's, he's at the top of the box, and he plays it back the way he's coming. The keeper's always going to think that he's going to be trying to bend that to the keeper's left Mm -hmm. um and it's a good hit i mean you look at it and you think you know maybe brian could have gotten to it i mean again but it's a good shot and it's a good finish and um he's a quality player and let's hope he plays for the u.s well well, and that that skill came from that tightly worked little one too that they put in in that you know there was there's three yards of space in there i mean leonard was was dropping in you know did a good job of kind of closing up that space but they have the skill to work in that that quick little one two in that tight little little space yeah just just before that they had inserted Romero for Damas and it was a change that we kind of knew would come but it was something where Pepe was playing wide right the entire time up till then so it provides a, a tactical shift putting Pepe as a nine and Romero out wide where Damas had been looking to go in behind all night Pepe's not really that player so it's a it's something on the fly where okay our two center backs are now going to a guy who's most likely going to try to hold the ball up and that pitcher changes quickly and it's something the players have to adjust to on the field and if you look at the play really closely Romero's the one who does does well to get in that little space and lays it off for Pepe and he's playing as their winger at that point so 
credit to them. Um, it was one of the only times they they generated a pretty clear chance. But if you look back on the the history of shots and opportunities from opposition in those areas, we almost always block it. Yeah, and we have so many numbers behind it that it's credit to them they scored, but we usually block that chance. Yep. And then you know two minutes later, and it was a little three minute flurry, and it it I think ultimately killed killed the game off a little bit. I think there was a little bit of a, a mental hiccup, but cross wide uh, and Pepe Pepe puts it in. Dan, yeah, it kind of looked pretty similar to the Tucson goal in a lot of ways, and that. I think it was Wyatt, right? And this was Wyatt. I, um, you know, kind of getting lost in the flight of the ball. Takes a step that if that ball's to the near post, he's going to win it. And all of a sudden realizes, oh, gosh, it's floating over my head. And he's kind of out of position. Then it's just a little, I, I mean, call it simple. I'm sure Keith and I couldn't finish that. But a little simple header into the goal where Brian's already drifting across. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give credit, I think, as well to Pepe there because his run was, was interesting because he, he started that run Jab to, to, to kind of angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah angle uh Wyatt to the near post and then kind of pulled it back it made me think a little bit of of something uh Ronaldo is you know Cristiano Ronaldo does quite well and then hit it back across the goal it was you know we're not we can't talk about our playing career I don't think Neil uh would have finished that um but my first professional goal was this very similar header thank you oh burn Carry on. <laughs> Roll the tape. Neil just dropped the mic, even though it's on a stand. Keith uh, just canceled the diving into Madison with Neil yeah. segment. Uh, thanks for coming in, Neil. Uh, have a good good night. Uh, grab a white claw on yeah, the way up. Grab out. a white claw on the way up. See you at the village. Um, any, anything else that you noticed in that uh, Cuba as well? We haven't heard much from, from you. Uh, your observations of, of that sort of match? Uh, anything that you saw? Like, Pepe's a special, special talent. Um, you know, as a young kid, and you already see the way he plays against really experienced guys. And I think, you know, looking back, we're going to, you know, or 10 years from now, maybe we're going to look back and say, you know, he's going to be playing for the national team, hopefully, for the U.S. And, you know, we'll look back and please For say, the U.S., we hope. Yes. yes. I think yes. he's got the option, right? Yes. He yeah. does. So he's with the U.S. U-17s yeah. this week, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leaving October 26th, so. I think the World Cup starts. Uh, one of the things we wanted to know on the club side, he is 16 after he scored those two goals, was there any looking into child labor laws in <laughs> Texas to see if we could get the result overturned? I know I had talked to a member of the club, and they said that they believed uh, there are that, no child labor laws in Texas. That I was believe. one. That was one suggestion, or that there was actually a, um, a a vegetable garden behind the goal, and so it qualifies as a family farm. That was the other <laughs> way that he, he was able to get by those those child labor laws. If you're not a, if you don't know about this, Keith. Uh, uh, corporal punishment is still allowed in school, public schools in Texas. It's an opt-in policy, but chil- children are still allowed to be beaten in public schools if their parents agree can, to it. So I don't think they're do all... Do you sign a form at the beginning I, of the I believe year? you do. Like, um, like so I don't think beaten. child labor laws are top of mind in Texas. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you know, there there were some more moments going down the down the stretch there. Uh, Connor Tobin had a little bit of a, a, a what we used to call a brain fart, where it kind of you know, kind of whiffed on it, and it it went through to their attacker. Fortunately, you know, made the made the save. Uh, you know, Silvestra, but the, those last kind of ten, twelve minutes, they held it out fairly steadily. I thought maybe if we got a, a goal, the 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 pressure would would eat yeah. into them, but it just never kind of happened. Did you have any complaints about the time? I was going to say we only play, we should have played ten minutes of extra time <laughs> at a time. I think it was four on the board, and we played seven. Mm-hmm. There should have been three more, at least. Maybe four. Maybe five. Maybe In this they... case, there was not nearly enough played. Fair enough, Dan. At least you're consistent. <laughs> <laughs> now we'd like to uh, dive into Madison with Neil Havati. Neil, uh, you came in today. You, were, you looked relaxed. You may have whipped out a white claw from your pocket. We may be drinking opal in the studio, a <laughs> high-quality Icelandic liquor. Uh, this is all this all this drinking on the pod is uh, is in is in uh, show of support to our friends in Lansing. Thank you. We for don't usually that, Dan. we don't usually yeah. uh, consume uh, while we're no potting. we're 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 sober potters. We're um, pouring one out for our homies. Indeed, in the indeed. mid. But this is kind of off season, Neil. I kind of like it. It's the it's the winner of George. <laughs> I like that reference. That's nice. That's yeah. good. Thank uh, you. 
the winner of Steve Zizou's Lost Child. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what? Uh, what we've already heard one piece of off-season news that's Pato has has gone up to Minnesota United to train with them. Uh, any other kind of you know what what goes on for the players in the off-season? Um, as well, another piece was you know uh, Turbo is is in the doctor's office. He's going to get. Uh, he had a torn labrum, is that right? Torn labrum in the shoulder, correct. Which, according to Wikipedia, can be the result of an injury or the old age process. So in this case, I think, Turbo, <laughs> you tell us. You're getting up there, Turbo. <laughs> 40 is not that far away. Uh, what else goes on in the offseason? What are, what are a lot of the guys, I mean, w- there's the big wrap-up on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. What else are guys doing? I mean, uh, it, are guys already thinking about next year, or are they kind of de- decompressing from the season? I mean, the the focus pretty quickly shifts over to to twenty twenty. Um, it's a little different as players and as staff. Um, in the in the first like week after, you're taking care of meetings, exit interviews, exit physicals. Um, we addressed the team today with just logistically some stuff we're going to go through this week. Um, we'll address players and, and where we see them for next year and, and where we don't. Those are probably the most difficult things transitioning from playing to coaching. Um, difficult, difficult conversations to have with, with players you've grown, grown close to over the year. Then obviously the, the party on Wednesday. Um, hopefully everyone can make it out. It's going to be a fun time. All the guys will be there, except, like you said, Pato is up in Minnesota. Ali Ngazi is back training in Minnesota. Right. Um, and Ryan Coulter has flown to Ireland to... Um, surprises dad. I don't know if I should say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a surprise anymore. Do you think Phil Coulter, major music star, listens to this dumbass podcast, Neil? Yes. <laughs> he's he's gone right. full mingo. I'll, huh? I'll, I'll provide Neil some cover here. So I, I, I mean, and I'm not asking to like get into, and maybe you can't answer any of these questions, but I, um, might. I think mo- I could be wrong. Most of the guys are on kind of like one year contracts with opportunities for renewals. Are there some guys that are already like definitely coming back next year? Have to, I mean that they, they triggered something or that decisions were already made, and then there's other guys who it's kind of a decision you're all going to make uh and again i'm not asking you to talk about specific players yeah so just how i mean just get, to give people a little idea into, of how this works at this yeah level, so yeah. my some just info on how it works most players will be on a, a one-in-one which means one-year contract with a one-year option for the club to make the decision whether they want them back some guys will have a straight up one-year option and that tends to happen a bit as you get older where you want you want to control your own destiny. Um, some guys we have triggered options on where they've hit various goals throughout the season, so their contracts have been picked up. Some guys have two-year deals, so it varies okay. throughout player by player. Um, sometimes positionally, those those contracts those contracts differ a bit. So uh, that's all something that, as a staff, we've gone over ever since we landed back in Madison, and you're pretty much straight to the work grind as soon as the season ends. And if I'm not mistaken, Josie L also on a loan, right? Yeah, so we had the three loan players, Josie, um, Wyatt, um, Carter. Carter, and then we had the two from from Memphis, Louie and Oliver. So those are all decisions that kind of go with other clubs as well. So not completely in our control, but... And Allie, too, is alone. Yeah, right? Ali is on the books from Minnesota as well. Yep. So everything isn't only on us to decide. And have you already started putting out calls to other guys that you've been interested in? As that process almost starts before uh, and during the season, where you're addressing your your wants and your needs positionally. Um, specific calls won't really go out um, until we we make our players aware of their of our decisions for them. I think that's just the most honest and truthful way to do it, and to re- be respectful of them. And then once that happens, it's scouting and recruitment for 2020 and getting the boys that are on the books ready to go. Is there any sort of, uh, are you guys allowed, you know, like most people, I think they're, they're uh, grounding and this will be international soccer. There's open transfer windows. Are you guys allowed to be talking to agents of players kind of whenever is, are there, does USL or USSF have kind of guidelines on when you're allowed to be talking to players? Is it a little bit more of the wild west? USL does. USL has okay. guidelines within um, six months at, to the end of someone's contract. You are allowed to, to contact their agent. Uh, I think it's always better to contact someone's agent than the player themselves. Right. Let them focus on their job. I think it's completely right to reach out to a player on Facebook Messenger. 
But let's be clear, six months into their contract not, means pretty sliding. much when the season has... Yes. The very early in the season. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're not sliding into their DMs? At the same time, during during the year, it's you're focused on your guys. So six months into the season, you're not, you're not quite all the way thinking about the next year. Um, but then, yeah, transitioning into the offseason once... Once we know the guys that are here, um, we obviously we have our strength and conditioning coach, Allison Regal. So we'll have a, a program for them. Um, we'll check in with our guys. Are they going to be here? Some guys will stay in town. I know there's already some guys that are not from Madison um, that would like to stay here. So that's always that's awesome to hear. They want to stay in the community, so they'll be around to do appearances, events. Um, Any be- of them over 30 and like playing indoor soccer? Contractually, might not be able to do that, but I'm available, Dan. <laughs> you said you don't like indoor. For six white claws, we can make a deal. <laughs> <laughs> he has a price. Uh, anything else that you, you now that you're on this side of of the the fence from the you know players side that you found interesting um, as a as a coach? As a coach, it's it's a lot of time on your phone. Um, you're constantly picking up calls from from agents. I'm in constant communication with Daryl, whether we're, we're honestly, we're traveling a lot throughout the off season, looking at players, um, in multiple countries throughout the U S. So it's, you're pretty much just staying in contact on, on where guys are at, where, what guys are being signed, who isn't, who's still available. It's, it's a, it's a daily update where, where we're at, what we're thinking, where it constantly changes. And once you sign a couple of guys and that changes again and where your team's at and, and where your budget's at within that, which is a, a huge hurdle for all USL League One clubs to to find quality within your budget that you're given. So uh, the other thing, uh, and I think this, I know where this one is going, but uh, what's what's your tavern of the week? Your, if we dive into Madison with you, Neil, where would we where would we dive into? We're gonna we're gonna take it back to to last night post Dan Fallon's birthday party, or you can just call it the extension of Dan Fallon's birthday yeah. party in which he unfortunately decided not to attend. <laughs> but we, dr- we drank in your honor, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, Mr. Kuba, myself, Mr. Kuba's wife, and Keith strolled into the ideal bar and Keith went in with a strong order. What was the order, Keith? The order was a pitcher of Miller High Life and four Tullamore Dews. Again, in honor of... Dan Fallon. Thanks, we guys. Did, we did shots for your birthday. Dan, did you do shots for your own birthday? I did not, but I, you know, other than the opal today, the the birthday continues. Yeah, yeah. Week two. It's like a Polish wedding, quite frankly, Cuba. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the ideal bar. What, what can you tell us about the ideal bar? It, it's down in that Atwood neighborhood. Fantastic location. Yeah. Um, cash only, as all proper Madison <laughs> bars are. Uh, you walk in, you will always get stared at and judged no matter what you look like. Uh, know that going in. Just as an FYI, you get particularly stared at and judged if you're wearing a tweed jacket, <laughs> uh, if you're a perfect five on the heckin' scale, <laughs> like I was last night. And we don't need to you. say who was wearing the tweed jacket. Yeah. Uh, so sorry. we promptly went to the corner of the bar, I think, where we belonged <laughs> yeah. that night. Yeah. And uh, But it's it's a local crowd. It's a, it's a real – It's as producer Hannah put it uh, – it's not a cool dive. It's a legit bar bar. Hip dive is Hip what dive. she has said. Yeah. It's a it's a bar bar. Yeah. Rowdy. It was uh the Packers, Monday night football was going on. We were right under the TV. People um, yeah. And talking uh, about soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Planning the podcast, Dan. In a tweed blazer. Yeah. The- well, let me tell you about the four three three and why that's the best way to attack. <laughs> Dan and I, uh, Neil and I both had, you know, our horned rim glasses on. Uh, talking about show. pomade for your yeah. beards yeah. and whatnot. Uh, so Yes, we were we we stood out like sore thumbs. So uh, uh, there's a, a wonderful vegetarian restaurant right next door called the Green Owl, and uh, my wife and I a couple years ago were having brunch outside uh, in the outdoor tables, and uh, there was it was like you know one o'clock in the afternoon. The ideal seemed to be at like. 10 o'clock on a Friday night <laughs> level, very loud and rowdy. This group of people walk by us, walk in the door, come right back out. <laughs> I quote, oh, that place smelled like shit. <laughs> I love you, Madison. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. So uh, moving on from n- diving into Madison. We love you, Ideal Bar. Oh, great. We'll, great we'll place. Be back. Good, good, solid, working class 
you know, kind of place that you didn't realize existed all the way over on your part of in your part of town. Are they the one? Do they have the sign, the Ted, and, uh, Bill and Ted sign up? Be excellent to each other somewhere in there. No, Stick they had the some di- interesting <laughs> ass themed artwork. Though. Yes. Okay. They had three dimensional <laughs> sculptures of that focused on butts. Okay. So great. There you go. Uh, we're we're proud to welcome as well. Uh, proud. Is a seg- strong word. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in a segment we're going to refer to as Cuba time. Uh, <laughs> I like it. For today in, in Forward Madison History, director of fan and community engagement. And Dan, when you worked at the club, you couldn't actually figure out what he did while he was there. Uh, <laughs> and Cuba then he told us today up, that yeah. he moved 9,000 pink flaming- plastic flamingos into a storage space. And so now we really have no idea uh, what he does because it seems like Jason does most of the work. Still not yeah. sure. <laughs> Just just keep show, showing up. So, uh, you know, one of the one of the, the question that we always ask is, what were you doing on today in in Forward Madison history? So today I actually went back and looked in my calendar. It was about my my third week of work for Madison Pro Soccer at the time. I was sharing a show. feel the heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that a, a an abandoned like indoor M- missile? That's what we were going with before Cuba got hired. Okay, <laughs> we were going to go with feel the heat. Or what's with, the torrent thing about? Like ignite, light the fire, light but the it's fire, water. Fire. Yeah. Do they it's, know about the properties of physics? Or Lansing apparently was ignite this, which was a slogan no. that ignite seemed, the night, ignite, ignite the, night, the night, which seemed to have like overlaps with an adult. Bookstore, yeah, they were in that, that, that came yeah. up today that they yeah. should have been sponsored by a dildo company or something <laughs> like that. And that would have saved the club. There's some good, I would highly recommend the Capital Combustion podcast, big money in that industry, yeah, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but I was sharing a shipping container with uh, with Dan Fallon, uh, yeah. Peter Wilt, and our, our former colleague Jessica. Um, and I was booking a meeting with Martin, the owner of Jamaica Restaurant, as we were planning oh the God. announcement of Don Smart as our first player signing. Nice. What day was that? We... It was, we, we announced Don on October 23rd, so we had about two weeks of negotiations with Martin, <laughs> the owner of Jamaica. Uh, I think me and Peter had lunch there three or four times. I think negotiations, what Cuba means is just showing up when Martin was actually there, because yeah. Martin like, would constantly not be there, forget who they were, be like, yes. what did I agree to? Yeah, reminding Martin. <laughs> I think his Peter just employee. wanted Red Stripe, let's be honest. Yeah. We Red- drank... Oh. All the red stripe in Madison yeah. that night, I think. Yeah, I think they they were bringing cases out from the basement. <laughs> I don't know what their distributors probably thought the next yeah, day, the, but the distributor was like, he got a that week got like a rec- or, you know another order for red stripe. He's like, we haven't delivered red stripe to them in two years. <laughs> <laughs> Kaching bonus. <laughs> and yeah, so that was about uh, Madison for you know Madison pro soccer history. So I just want to say, like, uh, and some people out there maybe know that I I worked for the club briefly, and some people, are, you know, Keith's mentioned it a couple of times. But what's really funny is I I remember I joined uh, like August first of uh, of last year, and um, Peter starts telling me about this Cuba guy, and uh, he's like, oh man, like, this guy's. You know, I met him in Milwaukee and, you know, he's like telling me all this stuff about him and all these things he's done. And like in my head, I have this picture of this like 45 year old, like <laughs> grizzled public media veteran who's like lived in Germany. And uh, and Peter's like, yeah, but, you know, we can't we can't afford him. And he tells me he's a Liverpool supporter. I'm like, wow, that's that's interesting. Uh, for, no for, outside league. talk. Uh, well, I'm just saying um, I, I think it's Germany. It's, it's yeah, it's germane to what's coming next. And yes. then he's like, he's just moving back to the United States. And uh, he got this job working for a toilet bowl company in, in Wisconsin, <laughs> uh, managing an account for them. Uh, and, uh, he, you know, he and young Kubo was like, now I know he's young, um, was torn because he had to support this thing. But I actually want to throw and it was back. for Liverpool's for, major rival. Yes. Manchester uh, United, the Red Devils. Yes, yes. Manchester and, is red. And there and Cole, uh, oh, the toilet bowl company's deep desire to break into the. Southeast Asian and uh, African markets, high-end yes. toilet markets. And, and I'll, I'll admit that was a questionable life decision for myself. <laughs> uh, more questionable than joining Ford Madison? Oh, much more. <laughs> but, but how did you, I mean, you know, obviously you're required by law because uh, I, one of the other details is I coached Kubo when he was a freshman and his class, though Kubo didn't play all the way through, won the state tournament in their senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all of those guys... Pretty shitty cool. coach, Keith. Couldn't even get the guy uh, moved on to the sophomore yeah. team? Keith uh, Keith and his coaching, I made no no sort of soccer career. <laughs> he also subbed for my English classes. I have a 
poor grasp of the language. So it was not super great job. <laughs> uh, but you are required by law to say, Keith taught me everything I know. I did. I did agree to that when we uh, lived in New York at the same time. And I think it was after about four sangrias at yep. uh, El Pastor. Because we shared uh, kind of as a group of us season tickets, the, the Red Bulls and the Thierry Henry. And last night we were talking about our all-time favorite, Luke Rogers, the who great. Had, had the great song, He's Short, He's White, He Loves to Fucking Fight, Luke <laughs> Rogers, which was also Dan Fallon's song. Um, when he goes to Chattanooga. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed back. But how did, you, how did you end up becoming this grizzled 45-year-old veteran of uh, you know, social media and public relations? The, the world works in mysterious ways. And so dur- during college, when my, I was a little directionless, I would say. Um, I found out of a great place called the Highbury. You're in good hands here. (laughs) (laughs) And someone said, there's a bar in the south side of Milwaukee and they play soccer and you can go there and they don't check your ID and you can go and drink. And I was, I was 20 (laughs) years old and I was like, shout out Joe (laughs) Cass. So I started hopping on the old 15 bus and went straight from UWM campus, straight down across town, dropped you off right outside the Highbury pub door. You pop right in. Great friend there, Robin Vinji, working behind the bar. Never worried about my age. <laughs> and You're grizzled. Look at you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you can believe it, this was about the time that Twitter started popping up, the social network, social media network. Um, I've heard of it. So I started getting involved on the tweets, had a lot of fun. Follow us on Twitter, forwards, backward, too. <laughs> uh, an excellent name, right, as and a I, social media expert? I would have been happy to consult. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I work for less White Claws than Neil. So. <laughs> But um, so I got, kind of got involved blogging about my, my Polish league team. I, I'll bring it up briefly outside League Talk, Life Poznan. Um, Twitter got me in, uh, connected with Jimmy Conrad, who uh, played for Life Poznan actually back in 2000 on loan from the San Jose Earthquakes. As you do. Yeah. Pre- predated Neil Havati in, in Poland, in fact. Yes. Yaga, yaga, yaga. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> But so then I uh, ended up doing an interview with Jimmy. We kind of stayed in touch. He came. Uh, I went abroad to teach English after college. I was living in Poland during Euro 2012. Jimmy came to stay with me with the Kick TV crew. Kick TV had just launched. Um, and they told me, you know, you know, if, after the tournament, if you come back to the States, let us know. We'd love to have you come and kind of handle our social media for Kick. Um, so did a brief stint in Tulsa, put in my time because of love <laughs> and uh, ended up in New York City working for Kick TV. You know, they were owned by MLS at the time. That kind of launched this just kind of rabbit hole of soccer. Um, I think Kick was doing really special stuff. Ended up going to Germany after about three years there uh, after a internal battle with the MTA, which I lost. Um, but lived in the Cologne law, the law one. <laughs> Ended up working for the, for the Bundesliga then for two years, doing their international social media there. Um, Got kind of burned out of Germany. It's, you know, being Polish in Germany, never easy. <laughs> Rough history between the countries. You may have may have heard about it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Was, they were great. There. It was awesome. I but still remember being over there for the 06 World Cup, and it felt like every German I met was trying to make up for the last 100 <laughs> years of German history. The friendliest people to almost like, yeah. a, okay, guys, it's cool. Yeah. We like you. Yeah. Like, please stop hugging me. Stop touching me. This is wonderful. The healthcare is great. <laughs> the, the long vacations. Uh, didn't you say though, that part of the problem was there was this like, just sort of German, like, well, the, the thing says one o'clock, why would the, the thing be wrong? <laughs> yeah, it can be, it can be very difficult. I've I spent about 30 minutes arguing about time zones with a graphic designer <laughs> during my time at the office. And, you know, uh, outside of that, that was an awesome, awesome time, awesome experience. I love the city of Cologne and, uh, the passion for, for soccer that the yeah. fans have there is Unrivaled. I mean, the, the spirit of the game, as much as the English like to say, you know, that England is the home of soccer, I'd, it's Germany. I don't care what anyone says. Well, I think as well, you know, this kind of speaks to one of the, you know, the models of, of clubs, right? And, mm-hmm. and to some extent, Germany are purely supporters clubs, yep. right? They yep. are owned by the, the members. I mean, theoretically, the same hold true, like in, in Spain. I mean, you have the socios, but it's not actually as functionally enforced like it is in in germany right? yeah yeah so anyway long story short had a little life crisis after a few years over there lauren and i decided to want to come back to back to the states be a little closer to our our families um you know being from madison my parents still live here um it's just kind of like a natural spot we wanted to come back to madison's very you know almost a european city 
in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, I came back here. Um, it's looking for work. I was working freelance for the Bundesliga still and ended up getting two job offers in the same week. One from the aforementioned Peter Wilt and another from a plumbing company <laughs> that had recently entered into a corporate sponsorship with one of the rivals of my favorite European team, Liverpool. Um, so when the question is asked, what would you be willing to, you know, how much money would it take for you to disown your club? I, I had an exact number. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the lesson here, kids, is don't sell out. Yes. I think ultimately. And, you know, the, the rest is forward Madison history. Uh, this week we, we wanted to keep kind of a standard show. I think next week we'll, we may do like a, a recap show, yeah. maybe do a, a top 10, uh, number one you know, of, of events in, in Forward Madison. Number one, obviously the most important event last year for Forward was the announcement of, of this pod. Um, and I, I think maybe number two might be our pod off. And mm-hmm. we've got, we've got some thing pla- things planned. Uh, just we've, we've, I think, kind of started laying out a little bit of a, a schedule of events. Kuba, what, yep. what kind of things on, on your side are you looking forward to? Um, well, I heard there's going to be some sort of story time before with uh, Neil and, and Turbo, potentially, which I'm looking forward to. Neil is confused. This is correct. <laughs> We're going to have a, an off-air question and answer. I think we will take questions from the audience. Uh, Papa Neil, tell me more about Poland. <laughs> <laughs> because Neil and, and Connor, you guys play together a lot uh, across the lower divisions of, of... And you've said we should write a book. That book need some money because it would be amazing. <laughs> so that's one of the things that you're going to have on offer. Uh, entrance is free to the to it. We, we can't charge a cover. Okay. Can we have um, a suggested donation? Yes, we can have a, a bucket suggested donation, and we would say, you know, $5 would be the, the suggested donation, or a white cloth for Neil <laughs> is also the suggested donation, uh, with a shot of tequila, because you like to drink a little bit and pour the tequila in. I don't think you can write that off. Um, yeah, that that you can't uh, do as a... That reminds me, did I tell you uh, I won with Peter Wilt the, the 50-50 raffle on Saturday night? Nice. Uh, which we hope, Pe- hopefully have at, at, at... And that was 400... They raised $450... Four days, and then you know we we Peter and I kicked it back in mm-hmm. to the pot another four hundred and fifty dollars. Of course, when I got up there, I was like, uh, you know, they didn't tell me how much it was. I'm like, oh, back in in the pot, and they said it's four hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> and I said, oh shit, I'm gonna have to consult with my accountant. <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, uh, Peter and uh, you know, it was and the goal. P- Peter was, wins. Every single yeah. raffle uh, he takes part in. Uh, it's him and Mike Quito. Incredible. Yeah. They're like, they have it rigged. Yeah. But so, uh, wait, wait uh, can we just draw a fine point on that? $1,000 raised for a charity to prevent uh, or to help women who have been, or anybody who's been domestically abused uh, at one night of our supporters group. So so we're hoping and, and the, 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 uh, from the pot off, the money is going to go to the Forward uh, Madison Soccer Foundation. Hopefully, it'll find its way into Millennium uh, Soccer Club, uh, uh, near and dear to my heart. I sense a conflict of interest here. <laughs> We're going to have to bring the legal stylist, who a couple people actually finally met last yeah. night. He looks pretty good, right? He wears the suit well. Yes. <laughs> he looks He looks official. Oh, he looks very lawyerly. Yeah. yeah. He does but not. he's look, not. He knows yeah. lawyerings. He looks, he's heard of lawyer. He does not look like Bob blah, blah. (laughs) He looks like a real lawyer. I mean, like if he just showed up and was like, I'm here to lawyer, you'd be like, all right, go ahead and lawyer. Mm -hmm. Cuba's mom would approve. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that's what matters. He's very kempt. Yeah. (laughs) Not like Keith. (laughs) Uh, so we're going to have that off air, uh, Q and a with Neil and Connor. Uh, apparently the butcher of Gdansk might, might appear. Uh, we'll have that forward fashion show with a charity charity uh, contribution. Optally, Optally doesn't listen to the pod, so he doesn't know this yet. <laughs> but he is going to be there hosting the Optally trivia competition. He doesn't listen to the pod. No. What else does he do uh, other than tweet us soccer related <laughs> nonsense? Well, the big one was James Milner. Apparently, his mother in law's mm-hmm. friend. 
played golf next or hit golf balls next to James Milner at Blue Mounds Country Club this summer. Summers in Wisconsin. Lovely. Is that not the most James Milner thing you've ever heard in your life? Like, oh, honey, where do you want to go for vacation? How about Wisconsin? Uh, he's seen. <laughs> uh, quite nice. He's seen. He's seen Love Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Milwaukee is the most beautiful place on earth. Uh, Butcher of Gdansk, Forward Fashion Show. Uh, and then we'll do a, a live podcast. One of the charitable contributions is for that night only, you are able to pick the name for Connor Tobin's unnamed segment. Mm-hmm. Just for podcast. that night. Just for that night because, you know, Connor doesn't want to commit to anything long term. Mm-hmm. But uh, as a donation to charity, we'll auction it off the naming rights for that night. So bring your checkbook and your paddle. Long or, yeah, live auction. Anything else that uh, the folks should be aware of? Uh, November 9th, 7 and 9 Neil just figured out what kind of paddle you meant. <laughs> Moving on. on. Yeah, sharp, sharp one. Neil going into the University of Wisconsin Badger game, so if you're looking to fill the void as well, the Badgers are still – they still have a couple of home matches left, right? Correct. Yep. So that's that's one way to fill it. And, uh, anything uh, else? Yeah, I just wanted to add the uh, Chicago Red Stars oh, playoff yeah. game on Sunday. Um, free tickets for Madis- uh, Ford Madison fans. Awesome. So there's a – check out the link online. Get two free tickets. Go to Bridgeview. See them take on the Portland Thorns. Also our affiliate, Minnesota United, is playing on Sunday in their yes. first ever playoff match since Neil Halavity lifted a trophy. Um, so go uh, go pack the house and watch Zlatan do Zlatan. Uh, it's at home, right? It is yeah. at home. On brand new grass. They've had I some, guess. They've we'll had, see how that works they've out. They've had some turf issues up in, uh, in Minnesota this year, and I think there's like a football game being played on the pitch the day before. So Perfect. fingers crossed, because, man, what a beautiful stadium that the pitch is in, in good condition because it was – pretty choppy the last home match they played there so we have we have gone on far too long uh we had a lot that we covered but uh i want to thank you for listening dan any last words no uh, i think i well yes <laughs> i always say no and then talk it doesn't really make sense uh, i think i said it last week you know uh last usl league one team left in the open cup made the playoffs as a new independent team i think i'd call this a successful season that's not even taking into account what happened off the field. And you said it with Neil here, and you said it without Neil yeah, here. Yeah, so you actually mean it. You're not so, just saying it to kiss Neil's ass. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. And what? I, yeah, so all I'm saying is not to bring up our friends across the lake again, but remember how this feels. Remember how amazing this is. Thank you to everyone uh, associated with the club, the flock, who's made this possible. It's been, I mean, beyond what I thought was possible for this club when I was – you know, an employee of the club and a fan of the club. I, you know, I knew it was going to be good, but it's been way beyond what I expected. So on to season two and um, yeah, it's been, been fun as hell. And then Saturday as well, watch the USL league one championship game between Greenville and North Texas. Otherwise until next week, I'm Keith Ponywise with Dan Fallon. We say uh, forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom.